you are listening to this episode as it gets released, this is your last chance to join my free Book More Birthdays Challenge before 2023 comes. So if you want to get ahead of your competition and book out your 2023 and beyond birthday calendar, head to the show notes and sign up for my free Book More Birthdays Challenge. We're going to go over how many birthday parties you need to meet your revenue and owner's compensation goals. We're going to figure out how we can bridge the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. And we are going to set up a rock solid strategy on how you can actually book more birthdays in 2023. So head to the show notes. It's your last chance. We start on Monday, October 10th. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers. So I know my last several episodes were a lot longer than my normal content. And I know I gave you a lot of work to do and action steps to take and follow-up content to binge on. And I know I asked you to read an entire book in the last two weeks. So if you're catching up or if you're finding this episode out of order, over the last five episodes, we read the book Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz, although for my Playmaker Society members, this was probably the second or even third read for them because that's how important I feel that this book is in designing a profitable play cafe that serves you and your life and not the other way around. So because of that, and it's Friday, I wanted to give you a little break. So your play of the day today is really simple. I want you to do one thing today to show your team that you prioritize them, their well-being, both physically, mentally, and emotionally over profit. Now, why am I bringing this topic up again, you may ask? Because I just spoke about how to take care of and retain your team members with, with HR expert Michelle Dillinger back on episode 109. Well, some real-life examples, both in the business world in general and in the indoor playground industry specifically, some real-life examples have come up lately that I wanted to share with you, and I wanted to give you some really practical applications of how you can walk the walk in really prioritizing your team over profit because there really seems to be a disconnect between understanding how to do this, you know, conceptually and actually putting it into practice and making your team feel valued, heard and appreciated so that you can actually retain them and see the results that I talked about with Michelle back on episode 109. So I have five real life examples that I'm going to talk about. And then, like I said, I'm going to give you your play of the day at the end. And it's a simple one, but it is so important, both as your humanity, humanity as a business leader and also for your bottom line. All right. So the first example that I want to talk about is the hurricane that recently ripped through South Florida. And a lot of indoor playground owners, some in Playmaker Society, were really grappling with the decision to close or remain open because while they didn't want to you know, jeopardize losing out on sales and revenue, 
They also didn't want to put their team or themselves or their own families at risk. And I'm thinking of one person in Playmaker Society in particular who decided to close. And personally, I think she made the absolute best decision. However, a couple days later, she got a nasty Instagram comment on her post that said, hey, we're closing today due to the category, you know, four slash five hurricane that's happening right now. And the customer said, oh, you know, you really should communicate better. How are we supposed to know that you're closed until we arrive? And, you know, this person did her due diligence. She posted on social media. She posted on her website. I think she sent out an email. So she truly did her best to make sure that everybody who had previously expressed interest in her business would be aware that they were closing for the sake of their team and, you know, to make sure that everyone was safe, not just their team, but also their customers. However, this customer, you know, was really upset. She said that they went all the way there and it was closed. And I have to say these customers that really risk their lives to do something in this sort of weather. So, you know, I have experience with this because we have snow and nice storms all the time. These are typically people who don't come to your business regularly. They've probably never supported you before, and they're just looking for something to complain about. And if they are this entitled, meaning that they expect you to be open and put yourself and your team at risk just so they can seek a non-essential service because, you know, an indoor playground, let's be honest, it's not like, you know, a doctor's office, it's not a grocery store. We operate non-essential businesses, just being realistic. If they feel so entitled that they feel like you need to be open during a category four or category five hurricane, that's probably somebody that is going to continue that entitled behavior throughout their entire experience with their business, with your business. So they're not going to value your space. They're probably going to haggle your prices. They're probably going to be rude to your team. They're probably going to be rude to other customers. And again, this might seem like a generalization, but I have been through this for five, six years now. Plus I've been helping other indoor playground owners deal with this exact scenario for years, even after I sold my business. So again, I'm speaking from experience here. So I really want to commend her for making this decision and for standing up for her decision. So she replied back and said, listen, I am so sorry, you know, next time maybe sign up for our email list or be sure to check our website, but our priority is really the health and safety of our team and our customers. So, you know, we do our best, but we are always reviewing our communication practices. Thanks for your comment. You know, we hope to see you again, but I really commend her for, again, prioritizing her team over profit in this scenario, and it's always going to serve you more in the long run. To do so. So let's talk about some other examples and let's go back to this whole rude customer thing. So another incident came up in the group recently where a customer was being just very belligerent, very rude. She was yelling, she was swearing. It was just a mess. And their employees kind of came to the owner and said, you know, we don't really know how to handle this. And I know in my previous episode, I kind of said, you know, the owner really shouldn't micromanage whenever possible. They shouldn't swoop in to put out every single fire, every single issue that comes up in their business. But this is actually an example of an exception to that rule. So if a team member is not feeling safe, if they're feeling extremely belittled or undermined, or like they're being verbally attacked or even physically attacked by a customer, that's when you or your manager definitely need to come and step in 
and make sure that team member feels safe and supported in their role. Of course, if the you know employee did something extremely egregious that does not align with your values, you of course want to gather that information and address it later. But when you're on the floor with other customers, again, unless it is an extreme scenario, you always want to make sure that your team is feeling supported, that you are standing up for them, especially if it's somebody that is just in a blind rage for no clear reason, because that is going to pay you dividends in the end. And it's going to, again, really speak to your humanity and your compassion as a business owner. So you always want to make sure whether it's in person or online. So for example, if somebody leaves a poor Google review and says, oh, so-and-so was on their phone, or it didn't seem like this employee was cleaning enough. I see employee, um, or excuse me, um, managers and owners all the time comment on these reviews and say, oh, that is unacceptable. We will definitely seek disciplinary action with this employee. And if I was a team member reading that, I would be highly disappointed and I would not want to go back and serve that business owner and do my best. What I would rather see that owner do is say, hey, we're always looking to grow and improve. Let's take this conversation offline, talk to the customer privately, gather all the information, and then get the employee side as well because you never know what their side of the situation could be. That could have been a very rude, a very confrontational a very belligerent customer that maybe was making them feel unsafe or had prior confrontations with them. You really want to make sure that you gather the information from both sides, but whenever you can support your team and be on their side and make sure they know that you are going to stick up for them. And the customer is just not always right. All right. The next example I want to talk about is a nail salon that I saw on TikTok recently. So I was scrolling through TikTok and it was actually an employee that was filming the salon owner in this TikTok. And she said, I think her name was Amanda. She said, Hey, Amanda, can you tell us why you don't offer acrylic services at our salon? And the owner, Amanda said, of course, it's because I feel that based on science and recent research, it's unsafe for my employees to breathe in the constant formaldehyde dust that acrylic services put into the air. So because I prioritize my team, I don't remember her exact words, but it's more important for you guys to be healthy and safe than for me to make extra money by selling acrylic services. Because I don't know if you checked recently, but like 99% of salons offer acrylic services. So I loved a couple of things about this TikTok. Number one, of course, that she's putting this into practice. But number two, I love that the employees were so clear on this owner's priority. And they knew, hey, if a customer ever asks, why don't you offer acrylics? They knew exactly what the answer was. And it seemed like they were also really well-trained to offer alternative services. So I love that the employees felt so empowered and so protected that they knew exactly what this owner's priorities were. They knew exactly why this policy was in place and they knew exactly how to address it. And they felt like they were able to do so in a public forum, even if the customers were watching. So I thought that was a perfect example of actually walking the walk when it comes to this specific set of values as a business owner in terms of prioritizing your team over profit when necessary. So now I kind of want to switch to a situation where an owner didn't put this into practice. And I'm going to be talking about a public comment on my YouTube channel. I'm not sharing 
a private conversation or anything like that. It is completely public on my YouTube channel still as I'm recording this episode. But on my uh, clip that I shared with Michelle Dillinger, the HR expert, where we were talking about retaining employees and taking care of them and really respecting what they value in a workplace, she, this owner, this current indoor playground owner commented under the video and she said something to the effect of, again, you can go read it if you want. Um, but she said, you know, oh, it's the generation that is so entitled. They think they can quit via text message. No, they don't want to work these days. I give gift cards. I ask about their lives and I still can't retain these employees. And she also kind of went beyond that and said, this is really good advice in theory, but I've been doing all this. I've been, you know, giving the gift cards again, asking about their lives. And I still am facing constant turnover. And <laughs> if you read again, her verbiage and things like that, she very clearly looks down on this generation and is making a sweeping generalization about an entire group of current and potential employees in her business. And to me, that just is a perfect example of there being a huge gap between understanding the concept and actually putting it into practice. So if I was an employee of this particular business owner, again, this is a public forum, I would never want to go work for this person again. And again, whether you're talking about it in a Google review or on a Facebook comment or on someone's YouTube channel, your employees, both current and future, are going to read this. And if she's commenting this on a public forum, I can only imagine what her actual attitude looks like in her day-to-day -day business. And I also want to clarify here, if you're a member of a safe space of current owners like Playmaker Society, sure, we talk about employee issues and things that are coming up within our teams and how we can handle them and we bounce ideas off of each other. That's a closed private community of just owners. So that's not what I'm talking about here. I really consider Playmaker Society a safe space and I really pride you know, myself on creating the space for us to really work out these issues because it's very isolating and very difficult to deal with yourself as a leader, especially if you don't have a manager or a team lead to collaborate with and again, bounce ideas off of each other. So I'm not talking about private closed owner communities. I'm talking about public facing forums that your customers and employees both have access to. That is not a good look. So a lot of owners, again, I'm not singling this person out in particular, I'm just using it as an example, but a lot of owners will say, okay, gift cards, check. Okay, ask about their lives, check. And they'll truly treat it as, like I said, a checklist item instead of actually interweaving, caring, and prioritizing your employees throughout every single practice of their business. So again, this is a perfect example of, I'm pretty sure I can imagine what it's like to work for this person. I'm pretty sure I can put myself in their shoes. I'm sure we all can of having a boss that, you know, I'm sure you scroll on Instagram and seen the memes who sees that employee morale is down and says, oh, let's have a pizza party. And then they wonder, oh my gosh, why is everyone still unhappy? You know, I gave them pizza. I thought, you know, I reward so-and-so did a good job. And I said, hey, good job. You know, that's not what we mean by creating a positive and supportive company culture. So make sure that you're not just treating, taking care of your employees as, you know, a one-off and saying, oh, check, I gave them gas money this month. My work here is done. This is something that you need to really put into practice in every 
single aspect of your business. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a real life example next. But before I do that, I want to make sure you know that there are exceptions to this rule. So again, if one of your employees did something very egregious that is unsafe or very much against your values, that's okay to address, but that's definitely the exception. So I'm going to link a YouTube video in the show notes of this episode, but one time one of my employees brought a gun into work and my other employee who was working that day said, Hey, uh, so-and-so has a gun in her purse behind the counter. I can see it. Customers can see it. And she also had a rifle in the backseat of her car that was very visible as soon as you you know, were walking through our parking lot. So of course, that was a situation where I rushed there. I called the police. She got arrested. I addressed it. It was a whole thing. So that is an example of when you definitely need to take the side of the customers and other employees' safety. But that other team member who was doing the right thing, I felt so glad that she was able to come to me, that she felt safe enough to come to me, that I was able to address it and make sure that she felt safe in her workplace because that other employee was doing the wrong thing. So there are exceptions. And going back to that rude customer comment, again, I have a perfect real life example of how I didn't necessarily handle dealing with a rude customer in the best way. It took me way too long to ban one specific customer from our business. She was constantly rude to our staff. She didn't value our space. She didn't value our services. And even though she was a longtime member who you know, was responsible for a pretty good deal of recurring revenue for us by banning her from our business. And again, I have an entire YouTube video about this whole ordeal and exactly how I handled it right, how I handled it wrong. But as soon as I banned her from our business, Yes, we lost out on that revenue, but the positive increase in morale in our team and the other customers really went so far as to make a major difference in our business, both in terms of, like I said, morale and just emotionally, but also when it came to profit, because I didn't realize at the time that customers were actually avoiding our business because of that customer. Because even if your team or your other customers aren't speaking out and being very vocal, that doesn't mean there isn't an issue. So sometimes you really need to look at these situations closely as a business owner and say, okay, how can I address this? How can I make sure my team and my other customers who are doing the right thing and treating our space with respect, how can I treat those customers who I want in my space? How can I protect them and treat them better? And sometimes that means saying no to some profit notice some revenue and asking customers to find another facility to frequent. So I have all those YouTube videos. And again, the aftermath of that whole awful situation linked in the show notes, if you want more information, but one more quick example, I want to give about how you can really interweave this practice in your business is when you launch a new revenue stream or when you handle a current event, that's not really working out. So we used to do kids night out in our business And for like two years, we did it every Friday night. And one day my customers, or excuse me, my employees came to me and said, you know what? We want to talk to you about this event. It's something that we dread. It's something that the employees always try to pass off on each other. It's something that really causes me a lot of stress and overwhelm. So I immediately sat down with them. I made them feel safe. And I said, okay, let's talk about it. And they gave me their reasons. They said, you know, it's late on a Friday night. The kids are tired, cranky, overstimulated. You know, these younger children, I think they were like three to seven. They need a lot of help using the bathroom. They 
need their pizza cut up. Our facility just isn't really set up for this type of event. You know, I listen to all their reasons and I go through the whole scenario in Playmaker Society, but their reasons were valid. So we stopped doing that event and I allow them to be a part of the discussion of, okay, what are we going to do instead? What's an event that you think would be both beneficial to the business that would really excite you and light you up? Because if your team is stressed, overwhelmed, and dreading going to work, your customers, your business are not going to be served at a high level. And that's going to cause both a immediate and long-term huge decrease in sales, customer loyalty, good word of mouth, all that good stuff. So I listened to them and we decided to, hey, you know what? We can instead do a weekend, let's say, I think it was like a Spanish learning playgroup where we had an outside instructor come in. The staff member was able to serve coffee and do some other things. And the bottom line is that I listened to them. It made sense. We stopped doing the event. And when customers asked, hey, why did you stop doing this? I explained to them, you know what? This really wasn't working out because of the age group and because of the layout of our facility. And we just decided to try something different. So I didn't throw my staff under the bus. I didn't say, oh, you know, Gen Z is lazy. They don't want to work. They complained about it. So we stopped doing it. That's not what I did. I protected my team. I made their opinions feel validated. And we tried something different because again, making them happy is going to be of best service and best results to me in the long run as an owner. So listen to your team and ask questions. You want to be proactive in this regard whenever you can in your policy. So for example, like the nail salon owner, she was proactive. She said, you know what? I'm not doing acrylic services because it's not safe. And when you can't be proactive, like in my situation, if you have to be reactive, make sure you act as quickly as possible. So if your team comes to you with an issue or something like that, make sure that you at least have the conversation as soon as possible and take steps to address it, however it makes sense in your business. So other examples of where you really want to make sure you're putting this into practice is how you handle customer reviews. Again, like we talked about, how you decide to launch that next event or not. You want to make sure that you involve your employees in the process and also how you review current practices. So I talk all the time, especially in episode 11, about standard operating procedures. So when you're going through these procedures, ask your team and really make them feel involved and say, hey, is there a tool or a process or a system or something we could rearrange that makes your job more efficient, that makes your life easier, that would make you more excited to come to work? This is an example of not just asking your employees about their day and checking that off your to-do list. It's making sure that their job is a place they want to be because that's going to reflect in all aspects of your business, including customer satisfaction and sales. It's important as a human and a leader to prioritize your team's, again, emotional, physical, and mental well-being. And it's also important for your bottom line because a high employee turnover rate is bad business. Just ask any owner you know, especially, you know, those commenting negative things about their own employees on my YouTube channel. It is often much harder to find a quality, passionate employee since they're in such high demand right now than it is to take care of the team who is already showing up for you, your business, and your customers every single day. So your play of the day is to ask yourself, what are you doing to prioritize your team over profit? How are you sharing that internally? So how are you making your employees 
feel that love? How are you making them feel heard, validated, and appreciated? And how are you sharing that externally? Because I promise you taking care of your own and supporting your team is a good look for any business owner and the customers that value you and your business and your services, those customers you love working with, they're going to appreciate and see that and take note of it. And those customers that are just rude and nasty and are just looking to complain, sure, they might not come through your doors, but we don't want them there anyways. We want to make room for the customers that do value us, that will pay our prices, that will respect our team as well. All right. Have a great weekend, Playmakers. I will see you right back here on Monday.